are going to listen to the word of God, Richard. slightly. Um, The first reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 49, um, and can be found on page 735. I'm reading verses 1 to 6. Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my birth, he has made mention of my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. But I said, I have labored to no purpose. I have spent my strength in vain and for nothing. Yet what is due to me is in the Lord's hand, and my reward is with my God. And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. He says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob, and to bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. The second reading is Matthew chapter 5 and is on page 969 of the Pew Bibles. Verses 13 to 20. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. So, um, this is turning into the Richard show, so apologies. (laughs) Um, Firstly, I'd like to say um, a huge... Huge thank you on behalf of Street Pastors to all at St. Juan's and St. George's, but I'm not there, um, who have uh, graciously supported us 
since the start of Street Pastors here in Jersey. We've been going almost seven years, um, and from day one, St. Juan's um, geographically and St. Juan's as a church has been a vital uh, link to that. So we are humbled and grateful for all the support that you've given us. Um, uh, we've obviously come to talk about Street Pastors. Most of you, hopefully, have heard on several occasions what Street Passes is all about, but very, very quickly, reassurance, safety and support through listening, caring and helping. And we're out on the streets of St. Helier between 10 o'clock at night and 3 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night every week. Um, and that's basically what we do. Um, the congregation have asked us lots of questions which I'll answer or try to answer briefly. I've got a couple of helpers who are going to do that. So um, Julie, who you know, is going to come up. And Marcia, who's another one of our senior street pastors, normally worships with the Methodist Church. And she's going to come up and... Uh, help me as well answer some of the questions. But before I do that, I have some certificates to award. So we have um, been going around churches and saying thank you to the actual people who've been out on the streets with us or been praying with us. Unfortunately, I can see that a couple of the, 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 the victims, I think is the word I was going to use, um, that I wanted to thank are not here, but a couple of them are. So I've got a certificate for Jerry, who's one of our prayer pastors. And Jerry has done, I'm just going to check how many, um, it was at least 25 when I printed the certificate, so it's probably a bit more than that now. So Jerry, would you like to come up? And Julie, you've done over 50 patrols as a, as a street pastor, so... Um... <laughs> Have a certificate. Thank you. Julie. Julie can stay here. <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. Marcia, do you want to come up? So... Um, the first question that we asked is, where does our giving go and what difference does it make? Well, I've already said, um, the giving that you give um, financially has been massively helpful for us. It goes towards the part-time salary of Heather Morton, our coordinator, who would be here, but she's going to St. George's, so we just let her go straight to St. George's because it was a bit easier logistically. Um, so without that support financially, we wouldn't be able to function. I mean, the, the role of the coordinator is absolutely crucial for us, uh, putting together rotors, dealing with all of the legal administration stuff that we have to deal with, all the trustees' reports and things. Um, and that is just an amazing blessing that we know that uh, the contribution of, of the church is making um, roughly 25% of her salary is covered every year. Um, and that is uh, really, really helpful to any small charities you can all imagine. Um, question for one of you two um, where is God when we're on patrol and what does he do um, well God is literally on all the streets that we turn on all the corners um, just the other week we had an experience where where normally we go straight I was on patrol I thought right we go straight down we'll cross the street and just felt that no nah, nah, we're going to turn down into um, Bond Street we're just going to go down that way and as it happened, there was two girls sitting on the pavement and they'd just been involved in an altercation in one of the nightclubs and that um, they'd been pretty shaken up by it and this girl had set upon them for no apparent reason to them. They didn't even know her. And it was just the case that we were there just to listen to these two girls, you know, talk about, talk about it, give them reassurance and just having being in the right place at the right time. Great. Okay. Um, are you ever scared as a street pastor, Marcia? No, and for two very good reasons. The first is we go out clothed in the armour of God. 
we trust him to be before us, to be our protection, to give us the words to say. And we're also bathed in prayer through our prayer pastors who have, I suspect, no idea what a fantastic job they do. They support us, they support the people in the street that we can't help because sometimes it's not appropriate for us to intervene, but we can lead them in prayer. The very first week I was ever out on patrol, we saw a young couple stomping, is probably the best word, across the square in front of the Royal Yacht, like this. Clearly the night had not gone as intended, and uh, there was no way we could go and go, hi guys, how's it going? So what we did is we called prayer support and said, please bathe this couple in prayer that they will get home safely they're not going to walk into the traffic because they're not looking and they will reconcile their differences and one very short example I was out um, a few months ago there was a large group of lads and young men really they were picking on I can only call it that two Polish guys and it was getting a bit edgy and a bit nasty as we turned up so we called prayer control because we're not going to get stuck in the middle of something and within moments the incident broke up and the group moved off and we were making our way towards the two young guys to check they were right. And one chap left the big group and he came running back and he said to the guys, I'm really sorry, that was a horrible thing. They're not normally like that. Please forgive them. I hope you're all right. Amazing. Who would have thought? Um, I'll take a couple. Um, what do the social workers and police think about street pastors? Well, we don't do a lot with social workers because, in reality, um, they're not out on the streets between 10 and 3 in the morning. Um, they're, and I don't want to use it this way, but they're safely tucked up home in bed, and I don't blame them. I wish I was sometimes, particularly when it's raining, and it usually does when I go out. So, um, I'm, you know, as these two will tell you, I'm the, the kiss of death, really, when it comes to a dry patrol. Um, but we do have an amazing interaction with the police. Um, it is, it, it has, we're very blessed in this island that some of the very senior police officers are Christians um, and very overtly Christian. Um, and I think that makes a huge difference to the relationship we have. But it's got to the point over seven years now where we are handing incidents off backwards and forwards between us. They trust us implicitly to, to handle things as they want them handled and we know that if we ask for help we're going to get it immediately um, so much so that now if we ring into the police station off one of our patrol phones we're treated as if we were an officer on duty um, and so we get the same response they will move cctv cameras they'll change patrol um incidents and I'm, so um we're almost there um challenges and what we need so um financially thankfully we're reasonably stable at the moment thanks to the support of St. ones and a few other churches and also from the association of jersey charities so the financial needs of street pastors are you know never say this as a as a trustee but you know looking to the future looks all right for the moment what we do need are some people to help us. We need probably 10 more street pastors. If we could get 10, that would be brilliant. That would let us run patrols outside of St. Helia or on other days. So 10 more street pastors would be brilliant. We could do with some more prayer pastors. You've heard the importance of prayer. I mean, a number of you are prayer pastors, but you know, we absolutely need people who are prepared to pray once a month, either between 10 and midnight or between 1 in the morning and 3 in the morning. 
once a month. Um, ideally, coming into St. Helier Methodist for the first shift, but from home for the second shift. But above all, we need two very crucial people, both our current coordinator, Heather, and our treasurer, who's been in place since the start, Yvonne, are due to retire at our AGM in October. And we desperately, and I would actually use the word desperately, need people to take on those two roles. So if you know of anybody, or if that person might be you, please talk to me. You all know me, so I don't bite. Um, please talk to me. We, we really do need somebody who would be able to work 20 hours a week. We pay a salary um, to do the coordinator's job. Um, and um, the honorary treasurer um, is probably an hour a week's work. It's not difficult, <laughs> thankfully. Um, so please talk to me if there's anything else. Um, we're going to, well, I'm going to hang around, but um, Julie and Marcia are heading off to St. George's. Um, so at the end of the service, if you've got any more questions that I haven't answered um, or you've thought of anything else, then I'd be delighted to do so. But once again, thank you for the support of St. Juan's. Um, couldn't do it without you. Really, really grateful for everything that you've done for Street Pastors. Um, and thank you for having us here. And I'm going to hand over to Vinny, who's going to um, tell us something about the Word of God, I think. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. How's that? Can you hear me okay? Happy at the back? Good stuff. Great. Uh, you know, um, 20 years ago, uh, we, we just moved churches from Elim uh, in, in Epsom to a, a cornerstone church in, in Weybridge because we were literally living right by it instead of traveling some like about 12 miles to church and the children were young and we moved to this place called The Way Christian Fellowship. Uh, nothing like we'd ever been in before and it was 1996. Uh, Oasis on your radio. Um, oh, say no more, moving on. Um, and a guy came up to me, I hadn't been there very long, and he said to me, he said, Vinny, you'd be great on a war mission. Okay, that's a good place to start. He said I'd be great. I didn't know what a war commission was, but he said, you'd be great on that. You know, and isn't that the case, yeah? You will always remember a great teacher, won't you? Even though you might not have been that good at school, even though you had a grade one CSC in metalwork and art, yeah, and you entered the big bad world with that, you will remember the people who said to you, Vinny, you are good at that. You should come in here at lunchtime and do that. And so I did. He was a good teacher. I wasn't that great, you know. And I'm married to an art teacher now. And I'm still not that great. <laughs> but anyway, what Christ is beginning here, as we read that in Matthew 5, He's gone on through the Sermon on the Mount. He's ready to start turning stuff over. And these guys are in front of him now. And he begins to teach. And he tells them, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. What an amazing thing to say to this raggle-taggle bunch of guys who would go through such experiences that you and I would long for, yeah? to be able to see the miracles, to be able to be with this guy, to eat with him, to have three years of fellowship with him, it would be, it would be wonderful. It would be amazing. It would change your life.
And this is where they're ready to enter now. And so the teaching begins. It is the encouraging principle is all vital. It's essential. You know, no matter what your preparation may be, no matter what Christ may have wished to, to tell them and impart to them, and whatever application you feel in God's kingdom, you know that it's not until you actually step out, until you actually go, that you realise that I'm not quite fully prepared for this. And this is why we need prayer support. This is why the prayer support for street pastors is absolutely invaluable. It is essential. It's not just a little safeguard for us. It's essential in what we do. And they are as much a part of the team. I'd love to show you the readout of our, our phone last night on patrol to show you the times we were having to call in between the 999s, you know, which we very, very rarely have to do. But when that call can go through to Glenis, and I don't even know who Glenis is. I, I honestly don't. I don't know what church she goes to. I don't know what she looks like. It could be in front of me now. But I don't know. But I know that she's there and I know that she's praying for me. And I know that there is an encourager there at the other end of that phone for me. And your greatest encourager is Christ. You know, when you come into contact with him, when you... I spent so many years trying to be right with him. I spent so many years trying to work out a way of getting to God without having to go to this Jesus guy. Because to me it was for wusses, it was for wimps. And I felt that I could do it on my own. I felt there's got to be a way that I can get to God if you're there. And I did. I got to God. And he said, you need to come back now. And you should recognise who Christ is. And more importantly, you need to go to that place that you don't want to go to. And it's called church. But I could go because I'd found Christ. I felt confident in it. And when we leave the building, when we put on this, this, this uniform, you know, we realise so much more. A lot of people say to me, oh, I could handle it all if you weren't uniformed. You know, by the time you've been through the training, by the time that God has worked within you, the uniform it is essential. When you get out there, you realise that you do need it. You do need it. But when you get out there, you realise that you need something more. You know, it's not the overalls that make the mechanic, is it? It's not. And it's not necessarily the uniform that makes the street pastor. What makes the street pastor is the heart and the compassion to say that I am willing. I am willing to try. I am willing to give it a go, even though I don't sleep that well. Even though my wife thinks I'm an absolute if I don't get enough sleep even if my husband will, will think I'm dreadful on a Sunday because I've been out all night but if you're willing to give it a go and anyone will tell you in any sphere of mission when you leave the building you go out and the amazing thing is, is that you find that you go to where God already is and he is already there and it is so hard to believe isn't it it is hard to believe that he could be outside chambers at one o'clock when they are throwing them out and when they are drifting down and deciding to go on for another hour, another hour when you and I would just think, well, I've had enough, let's get some kip, but no, no, let's go, the night's young, you know. But this thing of the, of the uniform, you know, a lot of people get hung up over it 
but it takes more and if you've got the heart and by the time God has worked with you it won't be so big a thing for you you'll be happy enough to put it on because he spoke there about just not blending in didn't he he, he referred to us as being a light and that light when you're up against the darkness is the essential factor here when that light goes out against the darkest, whatever it may be, and praise God that his church goes out in many different ways. It's not just street pastors. There's lots of, lots of initiatives that are trying to pierce that darkness, to bring light. Christ said you will be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. One thing's for sure, you were never going to blend in. I came across a, a statement by somebody who said that he didn't feel that street passes was for him because he preferred something that's a little bit more evangelistic. That something that he could dedicate his time to whereby he felt it would be far more worthwhile for the kingdom. Can I say to him that, you know, if this isn't evangelistic enough to have street pastors blazoned across your back, be standing outside the Royal Yacht at 2.30 in the morning and it feels like rain, people know exactly who you are. They can have an awful lot to drink, but I tell you what, I always just say, ten bottles of bud and you know all the answers to the universe. They know exactly, they know exactly where to go. They know just where to go and they know, I know who you are. I know who you are. I know what you're up to. You know, you realise then that you can't be hid. This is no, what's the word, covert, covert, op- covert operation. This is emblazoned all over you. You can't get away from it. And those cameras that are on you as well, and all the police, and they're they're sitting there and say, they're they're out again tonight. Good stuff, good stuff. They're consistently out there. We can't be hid. There is nowhere to hide. And why should we? Because in some senses, there is a part of our society that says, it's great to see you out here. It's great to see you doing what you talk about. It's good to see you actually rolling up your sleeves and being there. You know, one of the, one of the things that is, that is, is the visualness. I, I, I really do feel that uh, prophetically, I, I feel that Street Passes is, is one of the most prophetic ministries I've ever been involved in because it's just, it's just so, um, how can I put it, for the people that are out there, it has such a, an impact. And when they see you on your knees sweeping up glass, when they see you uh, doing the things that normally you wouldn't be doing, sometimes doing things that you feel, I'm getting a little overwhelmed by this now. What a place to be. When is the last time you've been overwhelmed in God's service? Or do we all like it? Lap it out of control. I, I, tell me about it. I love to know exactly what my week is. I love to know tonight we will sit down when we're having tea and I'll say, right, Debs, what's the week got? So, so I know what she's doing. And, she, and, and So there's no complications and I know how it's planned out. I love to work that way. Street Passers doesn't give you that option. Sometimes it's great. We've had some marvellous patrols out there where you've gone back and you felt, I can't believe that people really feel that way. That is such a commendation to the church, you know, and, and to you guys, to the people who are praying, for you guys who support it, for you guys who trust that, that, that 
what we're going to put our efforts and our energy and yes of course our financial resources into is worthwhile is really worthwhile you know we we don't see when we don't go out there to see people on their knees in front of us but the witness is that the church is on its knees while it's out there And whatever form of support you offer to street pastors, can I say thank you so much for that? Because we are out there on our knees, possibly helping somebody waiting for an ambulance, helping clean a girl up because her grandparents are coming to collect her in the car. That could be your grandchild. It could be your son. 20 years ago, it could have been you. And you know how vulnerable you can be. We would be just as vulnerable out there without the prayer cover that we have. I'm a firm believer in that. But there's an area of vulnerability that I think is good for the church. Because if we have it all so cushy and cosy, then where is the challenge and where is the faith? When you have to make a real, true, faith-based decision on something... You're pretty quick in getting onto that prayer book. You're pretty quick in making sure that let's pray right now. We had a situation as a family where we were talking to another department of the family where I'm very gentle concerning my faith with them because of issues that we've had in the past. But I said to them, I will pray. We will pray right now and we put the phone down. And later a call come through and it was absolutely I asked at what time this news come for them they said it came through at 20 to 7 we had prayed at 20 past 6 and when I went back onto the phone to speak to my sister she said the power of prayer the first time I have ever heard her use that terminology that kind of acknowledgement because it was such a desperate situation that they were in being vulnerable is challenging. But you know, those days aren't going further away. If his word is true, and I believe that they are, times are coming when church has got to stand firm, when we've got to be strong, and we've got to put our hope in the one that is coming back, our hope in the one that has overcome this world. And when he said to you, you know, you will be a light on a hill that cannot be hid. Yeah? You would be salt. You would be a sweetener. You'd be a saviour. You would be a preservative. It is what we need. And the services that are out there, whatever form they may take, from the police force to the ambulance service who are brilliant, to the, to the doormen who do their bit as best they can, you know, to them, they do look at us and they do wonder. I had a girl come to me last night and she said, who do you work for? I don't work for anybody. I'm a volunteer. And immediately there was a, ah, oh, I'm dealing with a volunteer. You know, we are all volunteers in his kingdom. And we're all absolute beginners as well, aren't we? You know, you can serve in whatever area. 
serve in worship, you can serve in prayer, you can serve in the ever forgetting, forgotten people like at the back, controlling the sound and the visuals and stuff like that. Can you chuck up my, um, my screen for me, please? Um, uh, the first one will be good. Giving light to all in the house. To all in the house, you know. It's not until sometimes we leave that we suddenly our audience gets bigger and suddenly that world out there becomes aware of what we are about and who we are. And it's vital. And to the next one, please, Jeremy. I love this picture because it symbolises so much of what we do. But I will put my law within them. I will write my upon their hearts. Jesus spoke about having a righteousness that exceeded that of the Pharisees. You know, wouldn't it be great if there were 490 boxes you could tick each day and you could just tick them all and you say, I'm right with God. But where would your faith be? And who would you be? Who would we be without him? And where would we be without Christ? It's essential, you know, that we have it upon our hearts. You know, those ladies, yes, they're uniformed, yes, they're fully visible, but they've got hearts underneath them, them jackets, and it's what you need. And you need heart underneath, underneath these things. We need hearts uh, here, whatever we're doing in worship. For Ian, when he's ministering to you, he will occasionally have his robe and he will have his dog collar. But underneath all of that, you know, beneath the thing of having the title of reverend, there was a heart. I just don't want that title. I got a heart for God. And that's what he wants. And you can't hide behind titles forever, you know. It's no good me saying, I'm this or I'm that. Without the heart and without the understanding, then it's nothing. It's just a badge. It's something that you've just taken on. But you've got to have the heart for it. And to have a heart for St. Helier, to have a heart for St. Wands, to have a heart for the farmers, I mean the pub, <laughs> and the farmers out there as well. You know, wherever your heart is, wherever you feel, I've got such a burden for this, keep going on, keep pressing on into it, because you can make a difference. You are salt and you are light. You cannot be hidden. If anything, the only place that hides us is this. But even at times within here, we can learn so much about serving. And a church on its knees is a wonderful thing to see. And I don't know, you know, about the... The, the, the issues that, that we all face at times, and it's very easy to throw those arrow prayers up. But when we have ever prayed on the street, which we do do, there's that line of thinking that we, that we, um, we don't talk about this and we don't talk about that. We, we are careful in what we talk about. But if somebody asks us a question, we will answer. And if somebody asks us for prayer, we've never said, no, sorry, can't do that. We're on CCTV. We will pray for them. What a privilege. What an honour. What a right you have earned to where somebody will come up to you and say, will you pray for this? I was with a girl last night. Earlier on in the year, she lost her dad. 
Dad had a lot of problems, a lot of issues. Um, and I went and had a chat with her, um, and she was so grateful. She said, thank you so much for coming to talk. Because I knew how difficult a year she had had. Nobody else had had that knowledge, and only me on the team had that. It was important stuff to be there. And St. Juan's Church, you're all part of that drive. Reaching out in that envelope of time, even when you're asleep, your impact is still shining. You are still part of that light that is not hidden. And it goes on and it goes on. And we're seven years on this road here yet. And we want to keep going and going and going for as long as we can. Because it's needed. And because it's our flesh and blood that's out there. It's kids that are born into a world where they don't know exactly what's what. They need to know. They need to know. So can I encourage you to, to be strong in whatever application you go to. And the next one please. To let it shine before men. And whatever department you may be in, from the highest to the lowest, may you be encouraged. And may you be so aware of this brilliant, brilliant teacher who would say to you, you know what, you're good at that. He doesn't say to you, you'll never make nothing. He'll say, you're good at that. You're good at that. And as children, sometimes that's all we need. With a little bit of an encouragement from each other as well. And to be able to say to someone something that can change their life. You'd be good at that. So you know what I'm going to say next, don't you? You'd be good at that. Bless you.